God is my father and God loves me and he's adopted me. And how many times have I sinned and taken his love and thrown it back in his face? And Mm. how I imagine that must feel and hurt him. I got to experience some of that. This is If That Makes Sense, the Family Life original podcast about what it's like to follow Jesus as a young person. My name's Tim. I'm Mary. And I'm Becky. Looking at fostering, foster care, adoption. There you go. I was like, if you're looking for your pen, you threw it at me earlier. (laughs) With the invite to throw. Okay, all right, all right. I just wanted to sensationalize things like the news does, okay? (laughs) I've, I've got no experience in this area, but I believe it's important. And so. I hope that our conversation can enlighten me. I hope we can enlighten anybody else out there like me who doesn't have any personal family experience with fostering or adoption and that we can just kind of do what we like to do on the show, which is hopefully give ourselves a little exposure to things we should be thinking about more as Christians of of any age. Both of you have had family experiences in the fostering world and the adoption world in your own your own ways and I know that we're talking on a podcast it's the world it's the internet you can share as much or as little as you feel comfortable sharing Mary would you what's your experience in the topic we're talking about today sure sure um so my parents wanted to do foster care to adopt so they were thinking okay we want to we want to foster young kids who will eventually be out of the system and we can adopt them and they can become part of our family because at that point they were feeling called to have more kids. So uh, we uh, had a little boy. Is this, I'm just, I'm wondering what age you are at this point. Oh, that's a good question. Um, Eight or nine, I think. Sorry for interrupting. Oh, that's good. That's good. So anyway, so my parents uh we we they went through the foster care training and everything and we got this little boy and i will change his name to alex his name is now alex and he was the sweetest like little angel he was adorable he was really big for his age um and he had some problems with he had a flat head so they had his family had just left him in his cradle or crib or whatever for way too long and he ended up like not being able to develop the back of his head so he had to wear a helmet for a lot of the first first little bit that he was with us but he he stayed with us for two or three years I can't remember exactly and we were fostering to adopt so we as soon as he came into our house he became our brother our our my parents son um and he called my parents, mom and dad, he called, you know, like it was like immediately like you are now part of the family. Uh, however, <laughs> uh, as as time went on um, and because of the way the system is and everything, um, they gave a lot of grace towards uh, his mom specifically. And uh, he kept getting more and more visitation with her and um, every time he would come back from visiting with her he would be the worst child Mm. 
mm-hmm. ever. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it was just like super violent and uh, didn't care about others' feelings. And like I said, mm-hmm. he was a very big boy and it was a lot for my uh, mom and dad. And they had to spend all of their energy on keeping him safe and keeping others safe from him. And um, and it would wear off after a couple days and then he would be back to his happy, beautiful self. And then he would go to another visit, et cetera, et cetera. You can see how this spirals. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, we ended up having to let him go, which was really, really sad. He went to another home and eventually he was adopted by another family. Mm. And uh, when he left, that's the last time I saw him because his uh, therapist said that he shouldn't have any connection with anyone in our family. Um, There's a lot of details that are contributing to that that I won't go into. So I haven't seen him since. Mm. And I pray for him all the time. I still remember when his birthday is. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and it was like losing a family member. Like we had him for like three years. And yeah, it was really, really hard. And because my parents were so focused on taking care of him, it was up to us kids to take care of each other. I mean, of mm-hmm. course, we did We did have the love and support of our parents and everything, but it was... It wasn't, it wasn't, it was unbalanced. It wasn't right. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's one, one of the main reasons why uh, my parents decided, no, we can't do this anymore. Um, so that's the very sad tale yeah. uh. <laughs> of my experience with foster care. Um, but I don't regret it, you know. Right, right. Well, we're going to, we're going to talk more about what it was like and what that experience was like and hopefully get into some some positive things, some hopeful things and sure, possibilities yeah, yeah. in just a bit. But wow, thank you for sharing that because I've known that's part of your story, mm-hmm. but I've actually never heard it. So thanks for, for sharing that here yeah. with me and, and all of us. Yeah. Becky, I've, I've heard more of your story personally, but I know it's a longer one and there's a lot of, like with all <laughs> of these things, it's sensitive personal details and things. So I know you're going to, mm-hmm. <laughs> I know that's going to be edited, but what, what would you like to share with us about your yeah. family's experience with adoption? So I will make it as brief as I can, um, but hopefully share enough where everybody can get a good picture. Growing up, I had three siblings um, and mom and dad had always, we just, as a family, always had discussions that mom and dad would like to pursue adoption at some point. They just weren't sure when, but they were sure that it was going to be American and under five because then you don't have the language barrier and all of that kind of stuff. So fast forward to I am 19 years old and we got a call from a friend who was involved with hosting orphans from Ukraine. And so for various reasons, they needed a home for this child to be hosted over the Christmas period. And so they presented the idea to us. So God worked so many details out where within less than a month, we welcomed a teenage boy into the house for about a month. And that opened our eyes to foreign adoption and what that could look like. And the Lord just impressed upon all of my family members that that is something he's calling us to. Mm. Um, The boy that we hosted was not the right fit for us for various reasons. So um, with the foreign adoption 
hosting program agency we were going through, they post pictures of the kids that are available for adoption. And so dad was looking at pictures and he came across this teenage boy and he's like, if we ever do this again, this is who I want to host. And so we all prayed about it. And by that following summer, we welcomed him into our home um, with the intent of we're going to host for, I think that was about six weeks and Lord willing, adopt. But one thing you want to be very careful of is not telling the teenager that you're hosting um, or whatever age that you are going to adopt them because there's so many moving factors that if it doesn't happen, mm-hmm. it can be very devastating to them. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Um, so we lived life like we normally would as a family. And if he were to come into the family, what that would look like. Um, and just before we hosted him, My mom and I had been looking at pictures online, and we both found the same picture of a teenage girl, and we're like, okay, what about her? And the Lord just, we all prayed about it and led us to, okay, instead of just one, why not two? (laughs) So we finished hosting that summer. Um, We hosted him. We knew, yes, we're going to pursue adoption, but the Lord just really laid on our hearts that we also wanted to adopt the teenage girl. And so like we hosted her that Christmas, um, put her on a plane, sent her back, um, which can be one of the hardest things to do because you get to know them and a little bit about their situation and how hard it is for them. Following summer, which would be about a year and a half into this whole journey, um, mom and dad got on a plane, flew to Ukraine, came back with my two siblings. Two of my siblings, teenagers, um, we adopted And they lived with us for, one was two years and one was three years. And we got to learn firsthand um, what it's like to come alongside of someone who has been through a lot of trauma and very difficult experiences that nobody should ever face. Um, And learn how to cross a language barrier and just love them and show them Christ in the best way that we could. And now they're living locally. Um, I hear from my brother every few months or so, um, met his fiance, and then my sister, I don't hear from her. Um, I hear a little bit of how she's doing here and there, um, but that's a shortened version mm-hmm. of my experience mm-hmm. with um, adoption and hosting and things like that. Something we were talking about when we were talking about this yesterday, Mary, uh, was church, was support, was family during this time, how, how, how that felt for your family. What was your family's experience like with Alex and being members of a church? How did that feel for, for them? As, as I said before, I was eight, so I don't remember a lot of the details but in talking with my parents uh, recently, just being like, what are some impressions that you had from the whole experience and everything? And and one of the things that they, my parents brought up was that it was another, it's not exactly a positive thing. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, it was really hard um, to get support from the church. And a lot of that was... When you have a two-year-old, 
<laughs> it's very, very difficult to hang around with your friends and make connections and share how you're doing. And a lot of the time they felt a lack of people reaching out to them and being like, hey, is there anything I can do? As like, do I need to watch your other kids for, while you go take your foster kid to a doctor's appointment or or uh, can I offer a meal or like anything like that and we didn't really feel a lot of that and we felt very alone and like we weren't really a part of anything um that was not the best thing right right <laughs> it it was just extremely difficult and it put a lot of pressure on my parents because now they have to take care of this one child and they also have to make sure that their other children that you know God gave them are are doing okay and and feeling love as well and yeah yeah it was it was a struggle not seeing the support that you would think the church would be able to provide and you know a lot of that i think has something to do with this isn't something that is talked about in church you know foster care and adoption it's like yeah, those saints do that, right. <laughs> you know? Right. It's like, yeah, but you need to help them, though. <laughs> <laughs> sure. Um, so, yeah. I think, and I'm just thinking about it, like, I know you're not saying this, that it's anybody's fault, because, no, yeah. I mean, if anything, it's just an acknowledgement of how all of us, each one of us, overlook needs that are right there in our own church communities. Yeah. I'm thinking about people, you know, I'm thinking about what you're saying. And I've got to imagine for a lot of people, it's hard to know how to help when somebody has a two-year-old all of a sudden. Yeah. Because you yeah. know kind of what to do or you know the things that you do for somebody who's mm -hmm. pregnant and then has a newborn and then right. has a toddler like you kind of grow through that with your friends and mm -hmm. figure out the ways you support them along uh, go alongside them with that right and maybe even you yourself have been through that and so you know how to help somebody who's going through parenthood or, or whichever or you've you're at least familiar with it sure yeah. but when it's something different your friends have a two-year-old all of a sudden you maybe know, don't know how to support how to help right well and and i don't know about um, what you were saying with hosting and stuff, but at least with um, the foster care that my parents did, there are so many like rules. And I remember mm. specifically like it was so far hard to find like a babysitter because they have to be like certified to watch the foster child. Oh, wow. Like they have to go through the course and everything and it costs money and it takes forever and yeah, and there's just like so many things that you have to consider with foster care, and it's can be scary. <laughs> so I, yeah. yeah, I think something that you said really brings it to light um, is the fact that it's something that we don't talk about mm -hmm. because my family going into adoption, we knew it would be difficult because we knew obviously the language barrier. My siblings did know a little bit of broken English. And we could use gestures and stuff like that to communicate. And my mom has her master's in elementary education, so she has some experience with teaching language and things like that. So that was our expectation of cultural and language barriers. What we didn't realize was a lot of times adoption, the picture of adoption, and I think I can include um, foster care yeah. to adopt in this, is painted as like 
cupcakes, unicorns, and rainbows. It's all going <laughs> to be this glorious ride, and everything's going to go very smoothly, and you're going to be one big happy family that just gels together. Mm-hmm. So we acknowledge the fact that there's going to be some difficulties, but what we were not prepared for and didn't really have on our radar was how difficult it can be because of what the adopted person is going through, the recognition and the realization that they are not with their biological mom and dad. They're not with their biological family, and that has effects on a person, but also the potential for, okay, they were taken away for a reason, and that reason, whatever it is, most likely has caused some sort of traumatic experience Mm -hmm. that they will need to work through. And I know it's hard to work through difficult situations um, coming from a healthy family. I can't imagine trying to come to terms with and to put into words how difficult it is to work through those type of experiences when you're in a new setting trying to gel with the family and feel accepted. Um, So I think one thing that we, like you were saying, Mary, don't talk about is a lot of those difficulties, which then makes it hard for the church to come alongside of a family going through that process of adoption or fostering Mm -hmm. because they just may not even be aware of some of the things that are going on. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Well, and and especially if you only see them when they come in late for church and leave right after church because, you know, their kid is screaming and you need to just get home and feed them lunch Mm -hmm. and put them to bed, Mm -hmm. you know. And, yeah, it's not easy, that's for sure. Yep. Mm -hmm. I know for for us, um, our experience with the church body, um, and I use the word body instead of building because the church that we attended and the Christian friends that we had that attended different churches, we very quickly after the adoption was complete and we started having just some transition difficulties and things like that. I don't want to use the word shunned because that's a strong word, mm-hmm. but very quickly found out there was a large majority of Christians who very quickly turned their backs on us. Wow. So there was no support um, at all. Wow. There was a, maybe a handful of people, um, and those were people who had also adopted. So it it became a very real, very challenging struggle of these people people are Christians, why am I not seeing the love of Christ and the support that you would expect to see? Um, But it also opened our eyes to how are we loving people? How are, I say we meaning my family, how are we reacting to people when they go through difficult? Are we turning our backs or are we offering a helping hand? And I think a lot of it goes back to it's just not being talked about very often. Or if it is, you get the happy-go-lucky side instead of both sides of the coin. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I can I can agree with what you're saying. Like I can see that that is what happened with my family and, and our church too. And that is something that um, I wanted to say. Like this isn't like it happens cookie cutter every time like this. Um, because there are some amazing adoption stories and there are mm-hmm. some amazing foster care stories. And I know of one of both 
at least that I can think of at the moment that are just like so amazing and so encouraging. And um, I've seen people come around and support those who are, are, are doing that. And I mean, of course, both situations that I'm thinking of still have struggles, still have difficulties and things, but it's, it's not always, you know, doom and gloom yeah. sort of thing. Yeah. Like both of uh, our experience is, um, seem to be on the surface. So, yeah. yeah. The last thing I want to do is discourage anybody um, or sound like, oh, you should never adopt because you're going to have all of these problems. Um, there are multiple stories out there of it being so good and so beneficial. And even though my family's particular story is very sad um, and was very challenging, I wouldn't change it for the world because God did so much in our lives and in the lives of all of my siblings that there was a lot of good that has come from that. Mm. Yeah, yeah. And like the same for my story. Like if Alex hadn't been in our family, then he wouldn't have been moved to the home that was much more suited for his his more violent mm. tendencies and things. And he wouldn't have been adopted. Mm. And um, he was adopted like a year after Wow. It, it's it's really good to see, even if we can't experience, you know, the, the happy end of the story, It it's still cool that we got to be a part of it. And hopefully we were able to impact him and uh, show him God's love in that mess. Oh, yeah. <laughs> even though he was like two and two to four, you know, it, I, I, I pray that it, it did something. How has your experience changed how you interact with people you know who are going through an adoption or a foster journey themselves? And what would be some some wisdom gleanings you you might give Mm -hmm. to somebody else? A few things that it's done for me is to remove all judgment, Mm. um, which (laughs) I should be doing anyways, but just to know that I am not there all the time, so I don't see the good times, and I don't see the bad times, and I don't see the in-between times. I just get glimpses into their life, um, and the glimpses I see might be all happy. So if I hear them talking about, you know, it was really hard this week because of X, Y, and Z, and my mind is going, but I just saw the opposite, and that's all I see, um, is to remove the judgment and to realize there's so much going on behind the scenes that I don't see. Um, And also to be a listening ear. I know that it is so encouraging when you're going through something like that and somebody can simply say, I have an idea of what you're going through because I went through something similar. Mm. I'd love to listen and support you. And what I mean by that is sit down, have coffee, let them talk Mm. and don't say anything. Mm-hmm. And I think that's the hardest part is not to say anything. Um, and when you do say something, be as encouraging as you can. Find the little moments of positive or happy because when you're going through a trying time, it's hard to see the light and it's hard to see the good things. And maybe part of their circumstance was you had a little victory in this moment. Let's celebrate that victory. And let's continue celebrating each of those little victories as you continue on the path to that giant victory. Um, So just being supportive in a way that they know you're a safe place, 
that they're not going to come tell you some things that have been going on and you're going to turn around and go and gossip that to somebody else. You hear it, it doesn't go any further than you. Um, so just being a listening ear. And then along the way, that'll give you glimpses into Wednesday nights are really challenging because their schedule is so busy. Pick up the phone, send them a text. I'm bringing you dinner. I'm dropping it off at this time. What else can I bring you? Sounds a little forceful, but that, that <laughs> Sometimes it's needed, though. Right, yeah. right. And sometimes yeah. that's just, this is what I'm doing because they don't have the ability to th- to think about something else of, oh, can I bring you dinner? That's a question they now have to answer, and they've got so much going on that mm-hmm. I'm bringing you dinner on Wednesday. Can I drop it off at this time? Or do you want me to drop it off on Tuesday so it's in your fridge? You can just pull it out. Um Listening gives us that opportunity to find those little ways that we can help in their circumstance because it looks different for everybody. Um, So that would be probably the biggest thing that I've gleaned from going through that. Wow, that's so good. There's a lot there. Thank you for that. I'm trying to do my best at just listening at that. (laughs) Yeah, and I mean, I even though my experience was different with being in foster care versus adoption, exactly that. (laughs) Like, (laughs) yes, (laughs) and. Uh, Something that for some reason has always stuck out to me is something that my mom said. She said that um, before she did foster care, she would be so frustrated or annoyed when there was a kid with a temper tantrum, you know, in a store Mm -hmm. or something. And she'd just be like, why can't you just deal with your kid, you know, just take them out, you know, like do, do the thing. And after she went through foster care... It was like, I get it. (laughs) I get it. You never know the circumstances behind that screaming two-year-old. You know, everybody has their own different struggles. And honestly, I think what you were saying can be applied to pretty much anyone who is going through anything, Hmm. you know, Hmm. but especially uh, for people who are going through the adoption process or having adopted kids or going through foster care. Just let them talk because 99.9% of the time, they just need to vent. And there's not many people that they can vent to because it's oftentimes sensitive information and it's they just need to process it. And there's almost never anything you can do anyway. Mm-hmm. And it's just a matter of getting them to have the space to be able to wrap their brain around what's going on and just like have a sense of clarity or calm or just knowing someone else knows what I'm going through and I'm not alone in the struggle sort of so wow Mm -hmm. that's all I can say because this is good (laughs) this is good and I'm like I said just trying to take it in it's not that you know your stories I know you kind of both (laughs) apologized almost for having hard stories but it's it's not cynical you're not cynical you're not pessimistic Mm -hmm. even after what the experience was like for both of your families. You're not over here saying, and woe is me. It was terrible. I don't recommend it to anybody. I'm hearing kind of the opposite, which is, yeah, it was tough. It it didn't have the movie ending, mm-hmm. but we saw God's love all throughout it, but we saw God working throughout it, but we saw God changing lives and mm-hmm. working for life and for good, even in the lives of these kids mm-hmm. whose stories have taken the multiple directions. And also, I'll just add this for, I know I shouldn't be adding something to it right now, but I'll just say (laughs) from the outside, something that came up in a previous podcast recording here for if that makes sense. 
Just the the testimony isn't over. The story mm-hmm. still mm-hmm. isn't over. Jesus is still telling a story, mm-hmm. even in the lives of people that you don't see on a day to day basis anymore. So, I'm I'm coming away from this hearing not just hopefulness through hard times, but I'm also hearing a lot about empathy, and I'm hearing a lot about how we can love each other better in the church. Mm-hmm. So, uh, to me, that's a win. That is encouraging to hear. Um, And one thing that I would love to share is um, one of the most eye-opening experiences that I have personally had was the adoption process um, because I feel like I got a glimpse into what it's like when God adopts us Mm. because (laughs) we are these terrible, rotten, horrible sinners who all have sin issues. Um, They just all have a different name um, because we each struggle in different areas. And God's like, nope, I choose you. You're going to be my son or my daughter, and I'm adopting you, and I'm going to love you unconditionally. Um, And that's one thing that when my family adopted, it's not like I have biological siblings and adopted siblings. I mean, technically, sure, but I have five siblings, Mm -hmm. flat out. I have five siblings. And sure, some are not blood related to me, but those two are very much so still my siblings. And for the period of time that they lived with us, I had a choice to make. Was I going to love them unconditionally and show them Christ no matter what happened or what craziness we were going through um, in the good and the bad times? Or was I going to take offense at that and be like, no, you're acting way crazy. I just want nothing to do with that. And so thankfully the Lord allowed me to choose to love them. So I got to love people who are hard to love. I mean, hard to love. And sometimes it felt like you were showing them love and showing them Christ. And all they did was throw that back in your face. And I just think of all the times where God is my father and God loves me and he's adopted me. And how many times have I sinned and taken his love and thrown it back in his face? And Mm. how I imagine that must feel and hurt him. I got to experience some of that. So it gave me a greater understanding for in the Bible when it talks about we're adopted sons and daughters of the Lord and what that whole picture kind of looks like. And also, it encourages me to continue praying for my siblings because like you said, Tim, the story is not over yet. Mm -hmm. They're here on earth and they're alive and they need Jesus just as badly as I need Jesus. And so there are so many good things and so many stories like that that I could share, but that was the biggest thing of adoption And going through and walking through that process is a picture of what God does for us. So I hope that helps encourage anyone out there listening that if God is calling you to adopt or to foster, then run full steam ahead and go for it. Yeah. Yeah. And even even though I had not the best experience with foster care, like that's something that I feel that at some point in my life I'm going to be called to do, you know, Mm. like and I know it's going to be so hard, but I... I really want to do it, mm-hmm. you know, like it's so important, so, so important. Mm. Thank you both so much for sharing a lot with me and of course by extension 
<laughs> Everyone listening, thanks all say on all of our behalf. Thank you for sharing with us because it's we need to hear stories. We need to hear these stories. Thank you for joining us for If That Makes Sense, the family life podcast about what life is really like as a young adult following Jesus. If you enjoy the show, please send it to a friend. Your genuine appreciation of the show is the best way for word to get out. And it would make our day if you left us a rating and a review wherever you found this episode. Family Life has more great original podcasts that you can check out at familylife.org slash podcast. Thanks again, and we look forward to having you along for the next one.